with all the disruptions and upheavals going on today, why is it that we have to create man-made problems due to the politicization and the polarization on so many levels? That's what we're going to be talking about. Elephants and donkeys. Where are the humans? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and I'm honored to be speaking with you about a very vital topic. We've got many issues going on today. We have the upheavals and the disruption due to COVID-19. We have racial and cultural unrest. Many of these themes are opening up in our society which is usually what happens when there are challenges. So it's bad enough to have things that we don't have control over, and then we can all come together with a common mutual interest to do something about it. Instead, something deeply disturbing. We're creating man-made problems. We can't even agree. It's so upsetting when you see everything being politicized. The polarization in the United States and elsewhere, but especially in this country, is so deep. can't even agree. And everything you sense has some type of agenda. The media, supposed to be free press, giving us objective facts, have sides. And I'm not getting into which side. This is not a political discussion. So we have real issues. Let's talk on a personal level. You have a family and something happens someone gets ill, or some other natural disaster, something we don't have control over. So you would hope a functional family comes together, and what does it do? It discusses, brings in experts, and everybody has one interest, to heal the person who's become sick, or to deal with the natural disaster, the house burned down, God forbid, or something else like that. But if the family cannot communicate with each other and everybody is suddenly their egos and power and control and the love of power gets more powerful than the power of love, then you have yourself far bigger problems. It's one thing you bring a person who's bleeding, who's been injured to an emergency room. And then you would hope that the hospital and the doctors all come together they, f- they stop the bleeding and then figure out what to do. But imagine everybody in the hospital is arguing with each other. Who's in charge? There's an election coming up. How are we going to use this tragedy for our benefits? What will happen to the patient? So you have this, this, this polarization, as I said before, politicization, without anyone thinking, what about the patient? And I don't mean patient necessarily the sick patient. I mean the challenge situation we're in. We have a, 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 a disease, a virus to fight. We have divides in our society. We have other challenges. Every one of us knows in our personal lives, in our homes, our families, our communities, with all the close downs, lockdowns of schools, camps, the unknown, 
One day things are open, the next day we don't know what's going to be, there's a rise, there's a resurgence. This is when we need to come together. And yet, look what's happening. So interesting, looking at it, in this country, you know, we have two major political parties. And maybe they're a good model, they're a good template, a good backdrop to do a case study. So, what are the parties called? The Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And they have symbols. The Republican Party symbol is the elephant, the red states, red, and the Democratic Party is the donkey, blue. So I was wondering, why? Where did these symbols come from? And lo and behold, when you start looking into it, you see so much of our story that we're addressing now is exactly, in a way, concealed or hinted to in these uh, symbols. So the first thing, I want to make a big disclaimer here. I want to apologize to all elephants and all donkeys in the world. This is not about you. This is about human beings that are using you as a symbol for whatever they represent and see the other one sees the other as a donkey, and the other one sees the other as an elephant. Why, we, why innocent elephants and donkeys have to suddenly become victims of our discrimination is another question. But that's what people do. This is what branding is about, uh, models, uh, imagery, etc. So that's my disclaimer. And therefore, the, this program is titled Elephants and donkeys, where are the humans? Where's the human touch? Where's the personal, the care, the love? Does it all come down to an elephant and a donkey? So, a little background. Where did these symbols come from? It goes back to quite a while ago, to the year 1828. In 1828, there was an election. The sixth president was being elected. So there was a, uh, it was one of the dirtiest campaigns ever held in American history. And the two candidates were John Quincy Adams, a grandson of John Adams, the second president, and Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. And they accused each other of the worst of the worst. As I said, it goes down as a historical dirty campaign and it was the the Adams side that coined the term they called Jackson and his party the jackass donkey with all the negative implications of that simplicity looking for the lowest common denominator Jackson of course had his accusations of the elitism of John Quincy Adams and his own decadence and corruption. And that went back and forth, mudslinging. That was the first time the donkey was used. Now, interesting, it began as an insult. They were basically accusing Andrew Jackson of being a jackass together with his whole party and all the people that they represented. Andrew Jackson was quite a shrewd politician, and he actually decided to turn it around. He embraced the description of the donkey. And he began to use that as a slogan. And he said the donkey actually represents 
the qualities that we represent, our party represents. Loyalty, persistence, carrying a heavy load. It represents coming from humble origins, simplistic virtues. And he turned it around that he took this insult and took it as it became his label, the virtues of the donkey. Now he lost that election, but he won the next election. So basically our sixth and seventh presidents are in that order, John Quincy Adams and then Andrew Jackson. Now, interesting, a little while later, uh, they were going now in the 1860s and 1874, to be exact, a, an artist, a cartoonist, his name was Thomas Nast. He worked for Harper's Weekly. And he would make caricatures and he began to publicize and popularize this, this imagery, the imagery of the donkey. The parties were quite different then, mind you, and the image of the elephant. The elephant, I believe, was first used in 1864, but he began to use that as symbols of these two parties. It all began with a donkey insult by Adams insulting Jackson, who embraced it in turn. Now, the elephant was embraced by the Republican Party because the elephant represented compassion in their mind, loyalty. Elephants also another form of loyalty and other virtues of the elephant. But you could imagine this became the elephant and the donkey. So Thomas Nass, which incidentally was a uh, literally a cultural illiterate, he couldn't read and couldn't write, but he was drew beautifully. So this became part of and slowly became a permanent fixture in politics. And over the years, this became the symbol of the Democratic Party, the donkey, and the symbol of the Republican Party, the elephant. The colors red and blue went through different variations, especially as television moved from black and white to color. So first, actually, there was a time when Republican was seen as blue and Democrat. And then there was different channels. I think NBC still kept the Republicans blue, but then they decided, this is later, we're talking about in the 70s when color TV started, became more popular. By the 80s, it became more solid that the, the blue states is Democratic and the red states are the Republican. But I want to talk about the elephants and the donkeys. It's interesting. We're using examples of animals. And though they probably did not intend to, but when you go back to the roots, you see it was used as an insult. No matter how Jackson turned it around. And it immediately begs the question, is there any human being in here anywhere? Again, this is not meant to dismiss animals. An elephant should be an elephant and a donkey should be a donkey. But when humans begin to behave that way, it becomes what we call a jungle or a zoo. Reminds me, I, once, I don't remember where I heard it. I think I heard it in one of the, I think it was on a radio show where they said they were delivering the 10 worst jokes. And one of them was this joke. It happens to be not such a bad joke. I don't know why they called it the worst jokes, but okay. So this couple, this hard working couple, get married, they love each other, but they're both executives, too busy for each other. This one's building a company, this one's running a company, and you know, it's overwhelming. They rarely have time for each other. So you can imagine it takes a toll on the relationship. Finally, they both realize, you know, we, we have been married now for four years, five years, 
and we we rarely see see each other. This night you come home late to, to a meeting. This one has to go out. Everyone has their. Someone has to travel. So they decide. You know what? We're going to open our calendars, and let's schedule time, quality time with each other. Beautiful. They open up the calendar. My calendar is sealed, locked up for another four months. Well, in the fifth, that in the fourth month, I'm too busy. They finally find something eight months down the road. Part of the joke. They, they pencil it in. Great. What happens next? The day comes, and they're actually excited. They're excited. They, you know, they, I mean, I know the, the punchline you think is that it comes that day and one has, someone has an emergency meeting. No. They actually scheduled in the morning. They don't go to work that day. They pack up food, other stuff they need, and they're going on a road trip. They made it, they planned it, they're going to go upstate. They start traveling. And you know, it's just, you could imagine a couple that hasn't spoken to each other, at least not intimately and personally for years. What do you talk about? So they begin, loose talk, break the ice. Then as they're going, they get into an argument. No, this is my opinion, your opinion. To the point the argument turns into a cold war. A cold war, it's a silent treatment. You know the silent treatment. And they're not talking to each other. They're driving an hour, hour and a half, silent. I mean, they schedule this years. They haven't done this. They schedule this months ahead. And each of them are uncomfortable to break the silence. But finally, they come somewhere upstate where there's a farm. As they're driving by, they see a few, mu- a few mules, a few donkeys. So... The husband says to his wife, any relation of yours? Now the donkey is also known for being obstinate. So he says to, the, says to his wife, you see that donkey? Any relationship to you? Suggesting she's obstinate. That's, without missing a beat, she says yes, through marriage. Okay. So was this an insult? Was this a brave? I don't know the end of the story. I hope it opened up conversation between them. But the fact of the matter is, donkeys and elephants as we use them as metaphors. As I said, in the wild where they are, they're doing exactly what they should be doing. That's how they were created, and they don't waver. But they're human beings that behave like a donkey, means basically obstinate, stubborn, and refuse to, be, to yield. This is so common today in arguments. And then an elephant. An elephant is a heavy animal. When it steps, it steps. It plows ahead. And a person who behaves like an elephant could be like a bull in a china shop to use another animal metaphor. Let's call it an elephant in a china shop, if you wish. So when you look at it that way, and you start thinking about it, even though I know it's like it's almost humorous, elephant, donkey, who really thinks about it? But everything has deeper meaning. Is that what we come down to, that we're going to be like elephants or donkeys, whether in obstinance or stubbornness or just powerful? Is there any human, the humans, the humans, so, my friends, they say half the problem, awareness of a problem is half the cure. Awareness of the problem is half the cure. To talk about this is very refreshing. I don't like to go on to TV or watch online. Every time you watch, it's just infuriating. Yes, sometimes you get some facts, but at the end of the day, it looks like a wrestling match. 
Yeah, like a, like a, like a, um, a mudslinging wrestling match. Each station, each um, media outlet has its own positions. Some feel it's their civic duty to bring down Trump. Some will defend them by all means. You don't find balance. You really don't find balance. You don't find the two discussions. They play the game. They always have a contrary view. But the contrary view is always either over, overridden or, um, or um, outnumbered by the other view. And the same thing in print media. And I'm not trying to disparage media or... Uh, I come from a world of media. My father was a publisher, was an editor. And what it does is really creates much more problems than it solves. Because who are you to believe? You feel the agenda. You feel that everything is being used. You almost feel like COVID-19 is being used either to re-elect Trump or to bring him down. When there are people suffering. And can you trust Washington? Can we trust the politicians? Can we trust the media? Who's, who has us in mind? So I, want to, I don't want to focus on the negative, but when you see it out there, you almost feel like, you know, my fa- grandfather was an old man from Russia. And he used to tell me, he was always very cynical about the media. He told me, everything in the newspaper is a lie. <laughs> Let's not forget that my father was a newspaper man. So maybe he was hinting or maybe he wasn't. And I said to my fa- grandfather, I said, Zayde, Grandpa, how could you say that? This is America here. Free press. Thomas Jefferson said if he had to choose between a free press and a free government, he would choose a free press because they hold, because without a free press, you don't have a free government. You talk about Russia. Yeah, there was all propaganda, mind control. My grandfather would not relent. He said to me, everything is a lie. Even the date the newspaper was printed is a lie because it was printed the last night, not today. As I grew older, I discovered there's a certain wisdom in that. I'm not going to say everything is a lie. I don't believe that. But a lot of it is very subjective. Who decides what's a headline? I'm not talking about an objective headline that a typhoon struck or that COVID-19 is spreading. That's hopefully facts. I'm talking about what, what's an important headline and what agenda is there behind it. So this, of course, is due to human subjectivity, and I, I believe that the press has let us down that trust that we always felt they would be objective, fact-checking, and not have an agenda. But that's changed. I can't say that. I don't think anyone can really say that with a straight face. It's sad, because that was, they were meant to be like somewhat the, the, the fact-checkers. They were supposed to be the objective party. It's like when I remember when uh, the crash happened in 2008, when the watchdogs needed watchdogs. And you can't trust the watchdogs. The whole point is you want someone objective minding the store. What happens if the, the gatekeepers need gatekeepers because they themselves are part of the problem? And it brings me back to exactly that. You talk about media. In the former Soviet Union, there was a newspaper called Pravda. I think it's still there. You know what Pravda means in Russian? It means truth. Would you trust a newspaper that's called Truth? There was, in the olden days, there was the Jewish communists also had a newspaper. It's called Emes, Truth in Hebrew or Yiddish. It's interesting, 
the way it was spelled was completely wrong. MS in Hebrew, you spell Aleph Mem Tov, if you're familiar with the Hebrew alphabet. In Yiddish, Aleph Mem Tov, it was spelled Ayin Mem Ayin Samach. Basically, uh, three letters, all of them misspelled. I used to always think that maybe the editor-in-chief or the publisher wanted a hint to those that knew the language, don't trust anything here because even the name is misspelled. But regardless, who's going to trust? The first thing you know when there's a totalitarian regime, the first thing you want to do is mind control. Control the airwaves, control the print. The information people are getting. You control that, you control minds. So whenever you hear anyone saying, we need to establish a bureau of truth and information, you can rest assured it's neither true nor information. Why can't you just rely and respect people to figure it out? Give us the facts and let us determine. So anything called truth, like people say, trust me. As soon as you hear trust me, you say, can I trust Because you're saying to me, trust me, that's why I'll trust you. I'm telling you the truth. My newspaper, the title is called Truth. So we don't have any newspapers in the United States called the truth, but they're claiming that they are the truth. The facts. In times of confusion, let us provide you with clarity. Now you know, anyone that's familiar with my approach, I'm not going to remain in the depressed and negative news here. I just wanted to lay it out. So we've got elephants, we've got donkeys, we have the media, one big circus. It would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. Yeah, one big circus. And the rest of us are left, the silent majority is left asking, where's the humanity? Where's the real trust based on true empathy, care? Now, I want to just, for the record, say, there are quite a few people in the media that are trustworthy. However, it's all gotten so toxic, you don't know who's who. The problem with confusion is not that everybody is corrupt or everybody has an agenda. You can't figure out who does and who doesn't. It's like one big confusing snowball. And this brings me to the main approach here, which is how then do you make sense of all of this? Can we go change City Hall? Can we? Yes, we've done an election. You can elect whoever you want, but you only have choices. What happens if both choices are political and polarized? It's not like you can choose anyone. So it's not, surpri- not a surprise that some people just retreat and say, I'm not getting involved in this. I'll take care of my family. But it affects us all. And it affects people. I know people who can't talk to each other. Because if you say one word that's critical of the other, if you're not with me, you're against me. It's all become so personalized. So I would like to believe, in speaking, that there's enough of us that have open minds and have no particular agenda that I want to... I want to... um, support one candidate over another, one position over another. We're not elephants nor donkeys. We will learn from each of them and take out the best from all. Yes, we don't control the political process. We can't just write in Mickey Mouse or whoever for president and expect to, that person will win. But there's a lot we can do, and that's what we are focusing on. What can we do? 
first don't let yourself get trapped in this whirlpool in this quicksand and just become another statistic oh who are you with i'm dead with the donkeys you elephants or even some people say i'm undecided you know the pollster he came to the door and says so tell me who are you voting for he thinks and says you know i think i'm in the undecided like the guy that said i used to think i'm indecisive now i'm not so sure okay but that's also a category and not a category that helps what we need is to dig deeper and what better time to do so than now and find that voice of truth within us and hold on to it we are not shaped by the politicians we're not shaped by the media these are players yes elephants and donkeys going through their motions like i said uh, barnum and bailey circus or whatever you want to call it we are not bound by them we have our own souls our own destiny our own purpose and mission and especially when there's swirling so many opinions and there's so much polarization and politicization of it all it's even more vital to hold on to the core to hold on for our dear lives to the core beliefs it's like being in the middle of a storm and the winds are swirling and you have storms flying and everything that's when you need your foundations more than ever that's what i find brings comfort more than comfort it brings clarity and brings direction and now more than ever because there's so many factors out there the truth is it was always the case last year too politics didn't wasn't born in 2020 neither was polarization human beings have always had conflicting interests but when things are going rather, rather rather smoothly we you know we tend to ignore it let's move on there was still it was very unpleasant to see trump haters and trump lovers and the whole again pitting one against another literally like a wrestling match we have enough problems as i said we need man-made problems but now it all gets accentuated it's all amplified because we see it in the context of a world that is needs sorely needs leadership they can't agree about anything it's, it's, it keeps being mind-boggling tells me that they're not interested in they're interested in power in control whoever the elephants and the donkeys i will call them that they've given themselves that symbol let's call them that we need humans and for it to be human we need to access the human spirit and again this is not disparaging elephants and donkeys it's disparaging humans that behave like elephants and donkeys so what is the human spirit the human spirit is driven by a mission we have a mission the mission is to find truth in a corrupt world truth in a world of lies to find clarity in a world of confusion to find direction with the unknown so where do you find it so thank god we're blessed with a soul we're not just lifeless bodies zombies walking this earth we have a soul and the soul has values the soul has aspirations dreams words that identify with the soul love truth sincerity kindness empathy giving values supporting one another kindness i said i remember goodness kindness the list goes on words that associate with the body we'll talk with the physical power control money 
They all have a common denominator, don't they? The most sublime values that we so cherish and value are often drowned out in the noise and the clutter and the turbulence of all these battles. I was just, I remember a while back, the middle of the COVID, I think around April, May, I went to, I turned on some of the networks, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, the smaller networks, online. I just wanted to get a taste. Stepping back, let me get a sense. I'm reading some of them very interesting stories, some about how to deal with the illness, how to deal with the cultural and social challenges, what people are reading, how people are coping. A lot of politics, obviously, the pro-administration, anti-administration, the donkeys, the elephants, all out there. I was desperately looking. Is anyone trying to be a voice, that human voice, of mission, of vision, of direction? I'm not going to say there wasn't anything. I found a few interesting articles, but completely overshadowed by the rest of it. So if you're really looking, you'll find a few good things. And I'm not talking about reporting the facts or how-to or what, what culinary, what, what uh, new recipes you can do in quarantine or stuff like that. There's a lot of good ideas. But that capturing or, I would say, captivating your imagination, that spirit, that resilience, that need for deepest, deeper love, deeper connection and unity. So that told me, not much, that told me, it's reflective, it's mirroring where society is at. Nobody's offering that because we're not even accustomed to ask those questions. So a tremendous, it's like glaring, the headline that should be dominating the news every day is glaringly missing. The, the celebration of the human spirit in face of challenge. Again, there were articles, talked about history, I remember a good article I saw about a spiritual awakening in times of pandemics or following a pandemic. But it was not, not dominating the news because the news has become entertainment. has become a circus. No one likes to say it that way, but people want that type of... That battle is, is, feeds into the lowest common denominator. But we have that human spirit and that's what we should be battling for. And yes, the elephants and donkeys as well should access the humanity within them. I remember a uh, principal of a school. He was hired. School was having its issues. After a few years, I asked him, so what did you accomplish in, your, in the school? It was a chaotic school. He says, I turned a jungle into a zoo. I found it. I couldn't stop laughing, to be honest. <laughs> a jungle into a zoo. So still elephants and donkeys, but you know what? They're somewhat, each one in their own cage. Great. And there's feeding time and all that comes down to it. There's a human in each one of us. We should not become a product, and definitely not a victim, of the politics, of the politicization, and of the polarization around us. That's the first and most important thing. And how do you do that? Because it's so easy to be swept away by it. We're like in it. As I mentioned before, you're in a stormy sea. You need your anchors. You need something to hold on to. So ask yourself these questions. What, are your highest, what is your highest aspiration and dream? What type of mark do you want to leave in this universe? Whom do you love and why do you love them? What values do you stand for? 
What are you ready to fight for? I don't mean to death, physical death, but what are you ready to die for in passion? What you really believe in? Something that is uncompromising, unwavering. These are the questions that help us celebrate the majesty of the human spirit, of who we truly are, and help us become the human that is necessary, a human created in the divine image. Now, this is a statement, as I've said, that needs to always be stated and restated and renewed and reclaimed and and rejuvenated. But especially now, especially now, I wish this message would go out to millions, billions of people. Because I believe in every human being. I firmly believe every person. As the Declaration of Independence says, which is ironic in this country, that all people, they say all men are created equal. And we have unalienable rights. Every one of us. This is despite color, race, background, religion, lack of religion. This is a fact of life. That's what we have to be holding on to. That's what we should be celebrating. Now everybody uses and says, what do you think, my fight for human rights is all built on everybody's equal. But then it's just immediately that is political. Equal to everyone that accepts someone that agrees with you. That accepts someone that disagrees with you. But let's focus on the positive. What each of us can do, start by not allowing yourself to be swept and be influenced and become part of the problem. See yourself as an independent person. No, don't see yourself, I'm a CNN guy or a Fox guy. I'm a Trump guy or anti-Trump guy. It's not a way to identify yourself. Why are we identifying ourselves by other people and other people's beliefs? Especially when you find out that they have agendas, whoever it may be. Identify yourself by yourself, who you are. What do you stand for? Do we need to live vicariously? I spoke about this last week, entertainment within, through others, through, through sports, heroes, Hollywood stars, politicians, musical rock stars, etc. They have what they contribute, but we're not defined by them. Learn to define yourself by yourself. And you do that by answering the questions I mentioned before. We all were born that way. Look at young children. Ask them, what do you think about elephants and donkeys? If they know what you mean, they'll talk about elephants and donkeys in the zoo or in the wild. They don't relate to this. Children are not political. That means the human nature is not political. Politics is a man-made device that, frankly, is a form of control or power. Now, sometimes it's harnessed toward the good direction, as Winston Churchill said. Capitalism is a terrible system, or democracy is a terrible system, but I've never found a better one. At the end of the day, you could harness politics toward good ends. And look, the foundation of this country was built on principles, even though the founders were far from perfect, principles that did create a haven and a culture, and look what happened, it thrived. So I'm not saying politics is bad, but politics by definition can also be completely about power and control. So let's identify ourselves by, by the true nature of who we are. The inner child that you began with. A child. A pure, innocent human being. Who has a soul and a mission in this world. In some way to illuminate the corner of the world in which you 
live, which you occupy, to inspire, to influence your sphere of your circle, your sphere of influence, through kindness, through generosity, through virtue. If we need to maneuver at times, we maneuver. That's life. Sometimes we need to negotiate. But we never compromise. And we never forsake or betray the foundations that keep us grounded. Especially in a time of a storm. Enough of us will do that. What do you think will happen? It's a ripple effect. Instead of the elephants and donkeys telling us what to say, they will begin to listen to what we have to say. Because they want our vote. They want our support. I have no doubt that we can create a groundswell, a grassroots movement, a revolution, a healthy revolution. Not through violence, God forbid, not through any negative ways or aggression. An ideological revolution, a spiritual revolution. One in which we all individually and then together embrace something greater. A vision for tomorrow. Have you heard anyone offer a vision for tomorrow? In all this, whether it's uh, Biden or Trump, yeah, they talk about this, we're going to do this thing, thing, a vision for tomorrow, a vision for the human race that you can trust, that is not just about another campaign line in order to get the vote, another cynical statement. I'm not surprised. I know people tell me, so where are those visionaries? Where are our leaders? We spoke about this as well. Our leaders essentially are reflections of ourselves. They're mirror images of who we are. What are we into? What were we into five, six months ago? Football on Sundays. The baseball season was coming. We had our summer plans. People are into into romance, relationships, sexuality, money, all kinds of stuff. Video games. A lot of very, let's put it this way, very materialistic and definitely impermanent things. And this has been the story of decades, the decades of prosperity. Values? You asked a young man or woman or older man or woman, tell me, what are you ready to fight for? What are you ready to die for? They don't even know that language. In World War II, we, we were ready to fight and die for the values of a free world. We haven't fought wars like that in ages. Do we need a war to crystallize our values? Most people, we took it for granted. We became apathetic, complacent, indifferent. Things have changed a bit because the ground under which we live has shifted. We can't rely on these schedules and routines and patterns. So there's a wake-up call going on. Absolutely. But we're still accustomed to that psychology. That's our mode. Okay, I can't, play, I can't go to Vegas. I can't do something else. Let me figure out how can I do it in another way. We're, finding, we're looking for other games to replace the games we can't play anymore. What we need to do is our humanity, is access that humanity, the human And we begin individually. Individually means you begin by focusing what your values are. Not allowing yourself to be swept away with the stream, the river, the powerful river of media, politics, and everything else that the elephants and donkeys are doing and everything in between. And once you have that anchor, hold on to it with your dear life, with your spouse, with your children, with your close ones, everyone in their way, those of us that are single, 
still, we have our relationships, we have our values. This is not optional now. This is a must. It's the only way. I speak personally now. When I watch these things and I read about it, I feel like an outsider. I don't feel I'm one of them. I don't feel I'm an elephant or a donkey. I'd like to believe that I can vote for whoever I want to vote for based on whatever I hear. I'm not loyal to any party. I want to see what they stand for. Unfortunately, the choices are also given to us. We don't have any control over that. Okay, but that's what can you do about that? We need to be free men, free women. We need to free our spirits not to be bound up by all this that's going on. And there's something very calming and relaxing when you do that. It's like going away from all those bonds and ties and, 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 and connections that are not necessary. There's something very freeing. Your spirit gets free, unfettered, and you can think straight, and you can feel straight, and you can communicate with people you care about. I can tell you in the last months, I've been so, in many ways, so refining. Yes, we're in lockdown and quarantine and all the limitations. I have people who, friends and family that have died. I'm not dismissing the tragedies involved. And some people still have been hurt and injured by COVID and are in rehabilitation and trying to rebuild their lives. And the unknowns, I'm quite aware. I'm pretty much in touch. People are in touch with me. I see what's happening, like all of us see. And yet the refining part was because when you dig into those deeper resources, it gives you something to hold on to. I feel, personally, that I've been trained for a time like this. It's a time of battle. Not a battle on a battlefield, but it's a time of battle over the, the battle for the psyche of the human being. Who's going to control your psyche, your emotions, your spiritual life? Will it be others? Will it be the fears that are all over? Will it be others' need for control or power? Who's going to... There's a battle going on. A battle for our minds, our hearts, and our souls. So from my point of view, I feel that each of us that has the ability to find that deeper clarity, that's when we need to rise to the occasion now. And demonstrate, no, no, they're not the outside world. The donkeys and the elephants are not going to control our minds and our hearts and our souls. Well, listen. Listen, we respect all human beings, even no matter how they behave. But we don't have to be defined by them. And we don't necessarily have to agree with them. So let us create such a new community. And I'm not talking about creating another political party, let's say, who are now uh, sharks. Or um, we used elephants, donkey sharks, let's say, what else? Weasels. Or, for that matter... Um, uh, let's see, what's a, a beautiful uh, an animal that people, <laughs> I was going to say a mongoose, I don't know why that came to mind. You know, we're not going to create another party. We're going to go back to who we are at the core and essence, human beings, a human being that's created the divine image, a loving human being, created to love, to give, to shine, to illuminate, to inspire. That's who we are at our core. Everything else is superimposed. Do we need to survive? And yes, in survival, we need to be able to, to tame the elements. We are a competitive race. We can be, compete in a healthy way. It doesn't have to mean you have to destroy your 
competition or, or anyone else. We're all part of one larger story, one larger narrative. Each of us, indispensable and necessary, at the same time, absolutely need and complement and be to be complemented by everyone else. Like I always say, a cosmic symphony, an orchestra of 7.8 billion and counting instruments, musicians, each delivering, each delivering their unique voice, their unique song. This is called reclaiming our humanity. So, when we do that, then, then maybe we can realign and truly live up to that the donkeys actually become donkeys the way God wanted them to be. The virtues, the qualities that a donkey provides. Not in a, not in a uh, dismissive or insulting way. And the same thing with elephants. They do have plenty of qualities we can learn from. But above all, we need to be human. We need our souls to shine forth. And now is the time to do so. The best way to fight the polarization is by removing yourself from it, looking at it and saying, what can I do to reintroduce, to reintroduce human values, higher values, to become givers instead of takers? That, my friends, is the goal. Where are the humans? Where is the human inside all of this? Please join me in this effort. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com is our website, which offers a wide spectrum of materials that address all these issues. How to empower empower your soul. We call ourselves a spiritual health center. Offering life skills. Offering offering spiritual tools, instruments. We have a weekly soul gym where we send out soul workout. Soul vitamins. Just like the body needs nourishment. Needs minerals, needs exercise. So does the soul. And the more you feed your soul, the more you nourish it, the stronger you become. And then the world of the body, the material world, becomes a vehicle for your soul rather than the other way around. It's the humans, not the elephants and donkeys that run the show. So go to MeaningfulLife.com, check it out, please share, comment, feedback, thoughts, ideas. What I said earlier, we are all in this together, we're all part of one larger symphony. Let us play that music. And politicians and business people and everyone, whatever agenda, should also be seen as soulful human beings. And all those vehicles, all those platforms, should be harnessed and used to express our soul's mission, not the other way around. And yes, the power of love will ultimately dominate over the love of power. Thank you very much. This program, which we call the Weekly Global Masterclass, is on every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then can be listened to by by either online, YouTube, and all the other platforms, MeaningfulLive.com, as well as downloaded as podcasts on every possible social media platform there is. Thank you again. Everyone be blessed. 
may we rise and live up to our greatest potential and destiny. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.